I want to ask you, are you ready for God's word? Can I tell you that this message has been, um, has been burning in my heart for a little while and the Lord gave it to me in connection with our summer elevate. It's a prophecy series talking about the end of the age and getting ready for the return of Christ. And, and, uh, I want to tell you that, you know what? I had a tough time even speaking on, on Wednesday night. Wednesday night was a, was a, was a powerful night, and I, I got up to deliver the message, and I said, man, I was fumbling over my words. I was having a hard time, and I, and I realized as uh, I started listening to Pastor Robert Morris, and he preached on this very same topic, and he was having trouble with his words. He had to pray about it, and, and I realized that could be the spirit, the spirit that is angry and upset about me confronting it and confronting it with truth, but God is greater still, Amen. Uh, something else I'll tell you, everything that could possibly come against us came against us this week. And then last night while I was preparing my message and, and looking over it and, and just putting the final touches on it, my computer crashes and it will not restart. It will not let me, I'm, I'm finally, I said, okay, well, if I don't have that, then I got this. And I just started laughing and saying, you know what? I'm going to preach my heart out from God's word. And then I felt like, like the computer started working. <laughs> it said, yeah, we don't want God's word. Give him the computer instead. <laughs> you know? so, uh, so we're going to do both. Amen. 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 Uh, listen, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray by your divine spirit that you would anoint this service, that you would prepare our hearts, soften our hearts, Lord, open our hearts. Let us be receptive to your word that it may be the seed of life, fall on fertile soil, Take root and bear much fruit for your honor and glory alone. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Guys, I'm talking today to you. It's a, it's a continuation of Wednesday night. I'm going to talk to you about the, the, the spirit of Jezebel. The spirit of Jezebel. You might say to yourself, a pastor, what is the spirit of Jezebel? See, I've been talking about several things that are going on. As a matter of fact, our prophecy series has led us to the words of Jesus in, Je in Matthew 24, where his disciples come to him and say, Lord, tell us about the end of the age, about your second coming. And he says a couple of things. He says things like, three times he says, make sure you're not deceived, make sure you're not deceived, make sure you're not deceived. And he also says, make sure you hang in there. Make sure you make it to the end. He, those that hang in there to the end shall be saved. And uh, I know that's not a popular message because everybody wants to believe that all you have to do is just, is just kind of throw up a, a prayer and, and you're saved. But I'm just going to share with you the truth. If you read it, you'll see it right there in the words of Jesus, Matthew 24. You also see Paul talk about deception in his, church, in his letter to the church of Thessalonica. The church of Thessalonica was a dearly beloved church of Paul's that he helped start and found. And he's writing them and he's saying to them, I don't have time to read it all. I'm just kind of giving you an overview. If you haven't come to Wednesday night, I want you to, I want you to be with me. And uh, he says to them, he says, some of you are very troubled. Not only are you troubled, but you're very upset thinking that you've missed Jesus' second coming. And the reason you feel this is because there are false prophets that are coming to you and sharing this with you. He says, let me set your heart at ease. Remember what I told you. I even, and, and, and remember what I've always preached to you, he says. This is Paul. He says, I don't care who comes to you. In what, in what way, shape, or form they come, remember this. There are some things that have to take place before Jesus comes again. And he says things like this, there will be a falling away, okay? There will be a falling away, a falling away of who? Well, in Jesus' words, in, in, in Matthew 24, he says, the love of many will grow cold. What does it mean, the love of many will grow cold? Who is he talking about? The world? Yeah, the world doesn't love. No, he says the agape love of many will grow cold. Do you realize that when Jesus uses the word agape, he's not talking about the word, the world. He's talking about Christians. He's talking about the church. He's saying there's many in the church that aren't sincere and aren't real, and they're going to fall away. Paul says the same thing. There's going to be a big falling away. 
There's going to be a pruning, a sifting, a shaking. And then this is what else Paul says. He says, the, the man of lawlessness has to be revealed, but the restrainer that now holds him back will have to be removed before the man of lawlessness is revealed. Who's the man of lawlessness? The Antichrist. The Antichrist brings the power of Satan himself. I don't have time to go into all of that, but, but this, this is what Paul's talking about to his church. And he says the restrainer will be removed. Some say, well, that has to be the archangel Michael, or that has to be this. I believe that could very well be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit ushered in the church age. You remember? In the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit anointed the church, and the church was born. We are now in the church age. I wish I had time to go into all the prophecies regarding that. But when the church is raptured, then there'll be nothing left holding back the man of lawlessness that steps onto the scene and says, here I am. That's one plausible explanation. I'm not going to cover any more. I'm just going to share it. Just going to wet your feet. Come back on Wednesday night. Okay. But this is what I am going to tell you. He says there will be a great delusion, a great delusion, and God is going to allow it. The spirit of delusion that will fill the earth. What is delusion? It's a mental disorder where you cannot understand or grasp the truth, even though it's right in front of you. So if you think you can, you have time, you might not have as much time as you think because the delusion is already on the earth today. He also talks about the spirit of Jezebel. Jesus talks about the spirit of Jezebel in Revelations chapter two, that it will be on the earth as well. You say the spirit of Jezebel, read with me. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these things says the Son of God, this is Jesus speaking, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Meaning you, you, you do a good job. You have good works. There's things that I'm commending you for. But, but watch the very next word. Nevertheless. Come on. How many of you have ever had a, a, a conversation with, with a superior, a boss, or a, 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 just a manager? They start off. They tell you some good things. They say, nevertheless. Ah, you know what's happening next. Jesus just took a turn and he said, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. What kind of things? Because you allow. Now I need you to stay very, very close with me. You allow. What does the word allow mean? In the Greek, it literally means you permit. It's permissible for you. What's permissible? You allow, you condone, you, you give you give place to this woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. Now, I want you to realize that calls herself literally means she self-promotes. She self-appoints. She takes it upon herself to take authority that's not hers. That's the spirit. And you say, Pastor, are we talking about the woman who died like hundreds and thousands of years ago? Who are we talking about? No, we're talking about the spirit that was behind that woman and has been behind others as well. This spirit is an equal opportunity spirit. It doesn't just impact women. It can impact men. As a matter of fact, I have personally experienced it in the form of a man in our church. I'll tell you more about that later. But it can impact a man. It, can impact, it depends on who is willing to let it use them. All it's looking for is someone that it can influence. And so here Jesus is saying, I have this against you. She calls herself a prophetess to teach, seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things, sacrifice to idols. You say, what is going on? Where did Jesus get this? He's hearkening back to a decision the council in Jerusalem made in Acts 15. Read with me. Acts 15. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Who's talking here? More than likely James, who is the bishop there in the, he's the head of the church in Jerusalem. And they brought this decision to the council because it was creating problems within the church. 
And this was the question. The question is, when Gentiles become Jews, do they have to be circumcised? Do they have to follow all the prescription of the law to be saved? And they're saying, no, all they need is Jesus. When a Jew becomes a Christian today, does he need to become a Gentile and forget all that he holds dear? Not necessarily. All he needs is Jesus. The truth of the matter is, is this. Watch this. This is what the council asked, verse 29, that you abstain, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from the things strangled. This has to do with worship. This has to do with the way that you, uh, that you conduct yourself. And then he says, listen to this, and from sexual immorality. So he listed four things. One of them is internal, the other three defile you externally. One defiles you internally, the other three defile you externally, but they all defile you. And this is what happens. The spirit of Jezebel defiles you in a way that it cuts you off from God. How? It creates a barrier between you and God, and it creates a place where God is not in the place of headship over you. It also severs your relationship, listen to me very closely, with one another. See, because if you were a Gentile and you partake in some of these things, you defile yourself and become unclean and the brothers cannot have fellowship with you. The Jewish brothers could not have fellowship with you. So not only does it defile you before the Lord, but it defiles you with each other. That's what the Spirit desires more than anything, to cut you off from God and to cut you off from one another. Watch this. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. I will give to each one of you according to your own works. You go, whoa, this is Jesus? That doesn't sound like the servant little lamb that we know is Jesus. Can I tell you, this isn't the servant little lamb. This is the king, lion of Judah speaking. See, no, no, some of us don't understand this. In his first coming, he was a baby in the manger. He was a broken man on the cross. He was a servant and a lamb, and he kept his mouth quiet. This time, when he comes back, he will be king of kings, lord of lords, the lion of Judah who judges the nations. And this is Jesus speaking, saying, enough's enough. We've got to, okay, so you say to yourself, well, what is he talking about? There's a spirit alive in this world today where God says that a man has a special place in not only the home, not only the church, but in society. A man is called by God to lead. You say, but a, but a woman is so much more capable in so many different ways. Absolutely, but that's not what God ordained. What God ordained was for a man to lead in his home. Do you realize that this spirit that's, allow, that's alive and well today is trying to usurp that and flip it? You can see it all over the place. You can't speak about, the, about any good qualities of a man without women today getting all up in arms and saying, no. Uh, what about us? What about our rights? What about what we have? What about our capabilities? Do you realize that today, uh, I, I can quote for you, but I don't have the time, statistic after statistic after statistic, how our little boys are under attack, how they're not excelling in school, how they're, they're faltering in every aspect. Why? Because our society does not value masculinity. I can show you how uh, you, you, when was the last time you saw, my son brought this to my attention. He said, dad, when was the last time we saw a movie produced by Hollywood? I'm talking about a big blockbuster that had a good, just genuine man as the hero. He's like, everyone has a girl whipping the guys. And, and, and he's like, and, 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 and you know, I just don't know if that can happen. No, on, on average, 
a woman cannot beat a man in a fight. I don't care what Hunger Games tells you. I don't care what Divergent tells you. I don't care what this Star Wars and this new generation is telling you. It doesn't happen. That's why the UFC doesn't have men fighting women. You go, you watch the UFC? Not lately, but (laughs) what I'm trying to tell you is this. There is a movement to demasculate men in our society. You say, oh, I don't know about that. You need to ask God to give you eyes to see. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm trying to lower women. I'm not trying to lower women. I'm trying to keep men from being put in the dirt. I'm saying, men, you have a good place because God has made you to fill that place. And the enemy would want nothing more than for you to abdicate your position, for you to go down in the dirt, for you to go down and and accept defeat and, and, and be relegated to where he wants to put you. Can I tell you, God has something better for you. And the spirit of Jezebel is alive in many, many different ways. Let me give you just some examples. These are just a few examples. Think about the spirit of seduction, of power, of conquest, of using uh, uh, um, intimidation, seduction, to, and, and, to be, and, and the braggadocious nature of it in shows like Desperate Housewives, Miami, Desperate Housewives, LA, Desperate Housewives, New York, Desperate Housewives, Atlanta, or wherever else they go. And just the sexual morality and the using of their sexuality to gain favor and control. And it's all about what? Materialism. Not to say anything about another show that's a big hit. Like, like, like how about Love and Hip Hop Atlanta? And how women these days are going, I'm a boss. What does it mean to be a boss? Why do you got to say it like that? I'm a boss. What, what, what's trying to ha- what's going on? Not to, n- not to say anything. I'm not, I haven't even mentioned keeping up with the Kardashians. And how this one woman, through a filthy sex tape, parlayed that despicable sin into a multi-million dollar empire of influence. And now each one of them has their own influence and it keeps growing. Not to mention that every guy they ever associate with crashes and burns. Okay. But what does that have to do with the church? That influence out there wants to snake its way in here. How? We have to understand the spirit. The spirit of Jezebel. We're going to talk about the historical character, but first I want to talk to you about this. Whenever you find the spirit of Jezebel, you also find the spirit of Ahab. The spirit of Ahab is a permissive spirit. The spirit of Ahab is a spirit that tolerates, allows, and even uses the spirit of Jezebel. Can I tell you that Ahab was perfectly okay with his wife being a boss. How so? This is how so. Things he wasn't willing to do, he allowed her to do them. I don't want to kill the prophets, but if you want to, they sure are pesky, go ahead and get rid of them. Oh yeah, when it's convenient, man, you don't want to mess with my girl because my girl will get you. Now you can see it in his tone. He, he, He had these kinds of conversations with Elijah. He would say, There you are again. Elijah would come and speak to him and he goes, there you are, you troubler of Israel, you little thorn in my side. There you are again. He would say this when he was meeting with Jehoshaphat and Jehoshaphat said, aren't there prophets, real prophets of God that we can call? And he goes, yeah, but they never say anything good about me. And and he always had this little whiny attitude and he'd go, honey, if you want to take care of him, I'm, I'm okay. Because he was okay with her doing his dirty work. Do you know he was also ambitious? Out of all the kings of Israel, he conquered second to Solomon in terms of land and conquest and expansion of territory. That means, yes, he was more, he was more um, accomplished than David in that area. What does that mean? That means that 
that he, he had ambition. And together they were the perfect power couple. They did things together and they ruled and he was okay with her uh, taking her. You say, but where did she come from? She was a Phoenician princess. Her father was a king there entire. He was a ruler there entire. He was also a priest to Baal. She practiced Baal worship and and worship to Moloch. What is worship to Moloch? That's the sacrificing of innocent blood and killing of children to a detestable God. This is who she was. And so um, you, you stop and think about this and you say, well, how does that spirit repre- how is that spirit represented today the same way it was then? Listen, the spirit of Jezebel wants popularity, admiration, position, possessions, power, control, pride. And we covered some of this, so I'm going to go very, very quickly for those of you who have heard it for the second time. But watch this. Power, admiration, position, possessions, power, and control. Keep with me. What is it used to get these things? Watch. Flattery, flirtation, seduction. Well, that's not too bad. Who doesn't like to be flattered? Yeah, but it has, it has evil, evil desires. It's not going to leave you at level two. It wants to manipulate, intimidate, and ultimately usurp. What is usurp? Usurpation is taking someone's power, influence, position, and using it as your own. Overstepping that which God has called and saying, I don't care because I, I need to get what I need. You say to yourself, okay, pastor, then it stops there. No, murder is where it always leads. You say, murder? What do you mean murder? Does that happen in the church? Can, can murder take place in the church? Jesus said, when you speak ill of your brothers, you have murdered them. And the spirit of Jezebel will always speak ill, will always tear down, will always end up in gossip, will always murder the division and divide the church. How? It will murder the blessing of God upon a people. The blessing of God comes when the people focus on their Lord, love one another, and stay united under the Holy Spirit of God. And that's what it wants to murder. You say, okay, well then, I'm starting to get a picture of this. What does it do? Or, or what the, the Jezebel spirit is. It's deceptive, proud, rebellious, selfish, insecure, controlling. You might call it narcissistic. Stay with me on this. What the Jezebel spirit will, it will resist godly authority. Every time you see it come up against godly authority, it will resist it, defy it, and rebel against it. It will come against those that threaten its control. It will excuse sin. And that's what it looks to do. Why? Because it wants to sever your connection with God. And nothing severs your connection with God like sin. It will tell you, yeah, but grace, grace will take care of that. It cheapens grace. Don't ever let anyone cheapen grace. And it will stop at nothing to get what it wants. What else? Well, it avoids those it cannot influence. Did you know that? If if you're not influenced by it, it will avoid you like the plague. We'll talk more about that in a second. It will hate and vehemently oppose spiritual authority. Why? Because it represents God's order. And when you do things in God's order, it has no room to operate. So it wants to remove that order in order for it to be able to do its work. Watch this. This spirit hates to be exposed and confronted. Can I tell you, if you're here today and you're already wiggling in your seat, it may be that the Holy Spirit is convicting you that the spirit of Jezebel is at work in your home, at work in your life. you say, how so, pastor? I don't know. Maybe someone is trying to get a hold of you. Maybe you've let it in through other means. Maybe, uh, but, but if you're wiggling and you're like, I don't know if I like this. I, I just don't like this. Can I tell you that's, it, it hates the truth of God. It just, it, do, it despises, especially when the man of God comes straight at it and confronts it. It would rather be left alone 
and left to operate, that's why Jesus says, no, if you want to deal with this spirit, you have to confront it. Notice, they were doing a lot of good things. But Jesus says, those good things aren't going to deal with this spirit. You've got to decide, and I'm talking to my men. We've got to decide to be the leaders in the home we're called to be. We've got to decide to be the leaders in the church we're called to be. We've got to decide to be the leaders in, in this community we're called to be. And when we see this manipulative spirit to say, not on my watch, it's not acceptable. I won't deal with that. No. This is, you say, but men are so simple. That's why we excel at this. I'm being honest, sometimes my wife complicates things too much and I just say, no, it's simple, black and white, that's wrong, absolutely not. Well, that's so boring, absolutely, but it keeps me right before God. And that's what we do, guys. I'm not saying the ladies can't, but I'm saying that's our calling. The spirit, listen, the spirit hates to be exposed and confronted in in arrogance, it thinks it's always right. Justify any means it deems necessary. It will justify any means it deems necessary. Now, now watch what it brings. Because you might be under the influence. You, you, you need to understand. It brings fear. Isolation. Loneliness. Exhaustion. Depression. It wants you to quit or tap out. Say, so, okay, pastor, how did you get this? This is found in 1 Kings 19 when Jezebel threatens to kill Elijah. Why does she threaten to kill him? What you have to realize is that a little bit before that chapter, he took on her prophets. The Lord, the word of the Lord came to him and said, I want you to go and to confront the prophets of Jezebel and deal with them. See, because this is what the spirit wants to do. It wants to gain influence over a person and then make converts through that person of others. And it wants to oppose the things of God. And this is what was happening. Jezebel didn't, wasn't just, her influence wasn't limited to just herself. She began to make prophets and false prophets and have, and have minions and, and understudies. And so Elijah came upon these 450, and this is where it happened at Mount Carmel. The, the plan was very simple. This is it. You're on one side, I'm on the other. You call upon the name of your God, I call upon the name of Jehovah Yahweh. Come on. And let's see who shows up. Let's see who's more powerful. You go first. So they built their altar, and Elijah's sitting back watching. I love Elijah. He's got a little fight in him. And he says to them, he says, I can't hear you. If I can't hear you, your God can't hear you because nothing's happening, gentlemen. So then they start getting louder and they start cutting themselves and bleeding because that's always part of, anyway, we got another, that, that's another message. And they start gyrating and dancing and chanting and whipping themselves into a frenzy. Finally, after hours of this, Elijah gets gets really good with his trash talk. And he says, hey guys, I think your God, I think he's out to break or he might be in the very back taking a dump. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, no, I'm serious. Some, some commentators have translated his words in that way. I mean, he's getting like, just like, in other words, he's just an ordinary nothing. My God never sleeps, never slumbers. He's always present. He's so go ahead and sit down and watch me call upon the name of Yahweh. And in that moment, he built the altar. He set everything in place. The trench was dug. The water was poured. And the fire of God came down and lit up the, the entire sacrifice. And in that moment, Elijah was filled with the spirit of the Lord and he began to chase after the prophets of Baal. And those that had sat back wondering what to do, can I tell you, when you become the man that God has called you to be, your children will rise up and follow you. Those around you will rise up and follow you. They chased down the prophets of Baal and they put them to death. Every single one of them, Elisha killed. Now, I want you to think about this. It wasn't an easy task. It wasn't like they lined up for him and let him just... No, he had to fight them. 
But once it was done, it was reported back to Jezebel. Guess what her response was? Her response was, oh my goodness. That awesome prophet of God just killed my prophets. Well, by all means, I'm going to fall on my knees, beg God to forgive me, and say, Elijah, you will, Elijah, you will never have any more problem out of me. I, I now submit to the honor and authority of God and my king and the prophet of the Lord. You know what? I, I, I am just so sorry. No. As a matter of fact, she got angry. She burned, and she told her husband, you tell that you tell that prophet, I will kill him and I'm cutting his head off. In that moment, go back to the list meal. He was filled with fear. He withdrew, isolated himself from his brothers, others that could have strengthened him. And he found himself in a lonely place. This is different from solitude. Sometimes when you withdraw to spend time with God, it's different than loneliness. When you withdraw because you're scared and you don't know what to do and you cocoon, come on now, then that leads to loneliness. This is how we know he was lonely because he kept saying to the Lord, I alone am left. There's nobody else and she's about to kill me, God. He ended up in exhaustion. You say, okay, well, well, what if I'm dealing with some of this? If you're dealing with some of this and you've been withdrawing and you've been feeling the fear and you've been hearing the voice of the enemy saying it's over, you'll never be any, you'll never amount to anything. God cannot forgive you. You're by yourself. I'm circling around you. All, it's all over but the crying and he's putting that exhaustion on you because you get so overwhelmed you cannot continue. It's hard to sleep. It's constant bombardment. What do you do? Well, I'll tell you what you shouldn't do. You shouldn't end up in depression, but that's where he, that's where the spirit, that, that this Jezebel spirit wants you in depression because once it gets you in depression, it can have you tap out. Meaning same thing Elijah did said, Lord, take my life. I wish I could die. You say, okay, pastor, well then how do I deal with it? you got to gird yourself up in the Lord and you have to listen to the word of God and you have to decide no longer will I tolerate it. No longer will I be intimidated. I'm going to confront it. I'm going to confront it in the name of Jesus. I'm going to confront it. So let me give you an example of how she operates in everyday life. There was a man by the name of Nabooth. Nabooth was a Jezreelite. He had, a prop, he had property at a vineyard right next to King Ahab's palace, okay? So King Ahab looks at his vineyard and says, man, I sure would like to have that vineyard, right? He's a king. It's right here near my palace. I could go stroll in that vineyard and it could be mine. But first I got to ask Nabooth to sell it to me. So he goes to Nabooth and he says, Nabooth, I'd like your vineyard. I'll give you a good price for it or I'll give you better land somewhere else. But can we make a deal? Nabooth says, no, this has been in my family. It's my family's inheritance. I cannot do that. How many of you have land like that? You just wouldn't sell it for anything. How many of you have an heirloom like that? You just wouldn't sell it for anything. It's, it's not for sale. Very few are going, everybody's like, no, everything's for sale, right? Everything's for sale for the right price. Come on, guys. So he says no. He says no. And watch this. He goes back in the house. Ahab does, the king of Israel. And he's sulking and he's, he's just pouting. And Jezebel sees him lying in his bed, just kind of sulking. And she says to him, are you not the king? Get up and act like a king. And this is what we read here. Then Jezebel, his wife, said to him, You now exercise authority over Israel. Rise, eat food, and let your heart be cheerful. I, come on now, watch this. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. And she wrote letters in Ahab's name. Step right over him. Can I tell you? Guys, if you allow your wife to step over you on the way to church, uh, if you allow your wife to step over you as she raises your children, 
If you allow your wife to step over you as she declares what's important in the house and what's righteous in the house and what's right in the house, she may not be a Jezebel, but you may surely be an Ahab. And if you're an Ahab, the devil will bring you a Jezebel, if not through your wife. Sealed them with his seal and sent the letters to the elders and the nobles. And this is what she told them. I want you to hold a fast and then there will be a time where you will all be seated and you seat in a booth in the prominent space, the prominent seat, but put beside him two scoundrels that will lie about him and have those people form a false testimony and say that they heard him and saw him blaspheme the Lord and the king. And as soon as this happens, you all grab him, take him outside, stone him to death. And that's exactly what happened. She collected the property for her husband. And it came to pass, verse 15, when Jezebel heard that Nebuth had been stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Nebuth, the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money. For Nebuth is not alive, but dead. So it was, when Ahab heard that Nebuth was dead, that Ahab got up and went down to take possession of the vineyard of Nebuth, the Jezreelite. And while he's there walking in his new vineyard thinking, man, Christmas came early. The prophet of the Lord gets a word. Who's the prophet of the Lord? Elijah. He says, go to Naboth's, Naboth's vineyard and there you will find that murderous king and declare these words over him. And this is what he said. He says, your house is being judged. Your wife is being judged. And you, my friend, are being judged by God. Today, he is telling you, you are going to die. You will be judged and die on this piece of property. Your blood will spill. The dogs will eat your bones and your flesh. And when she dies, the same thing will happen to her. She'll be thrown out like nothing. You think you're a queen. You think you're a prince. You're going to be trash before God. God don't play. That's what Jesus was saying. Hey, guys, this is serious. We got to stop tolerating it. Why do you think God was so upset? This is why. God said to these people, he said, you have defiled not only my temple, but Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is where I would put my name. And that's what would shine as a beacon to the rest of the world, that they would know that there is a special God over Israel and his people. But you have brought in the detestable practices of the rest of the world and made Jerusalem, what? Defiled and detestable before me. Can you see that Jesus is saying the same thing? My church is an example of Jerusalem, like Jerusalem is to the world. My church is that city on a hill. That's what Jesus said to the rest of the world. Jerusalem is on a hill. He's saying, my church should be what the world looks like and says, look at God's name. Look at God's house. Look at God's people. Honor and glory to God in the highest. But you have to... And I won't put up with it. I will deal with it, Jesus says, even as Elijah was telling Ahab. You said, does it happen exactly that way? No, no, you, you'll never guess. Ahab falls on his knees and repents. And God forgives him. God forgive. Can I tell you how awesome your God is? He forgives him. He forgives him. Absolutely. You go, what happened to Jezebel? Well, she didn't ask for forgiveness. So you say, okay, pastor, what else do you want me to know? This is where we're going to finish. We're almost done. I need you to understand how the spirit works in the church. 
This evil spirit will slither around, it will circle around, it looks for someone it can exploit. And this is what it's looking for. It's looking to draw a connection so they can draw a bond and it can begin, it can begin to influence. And so it will look for hurts. It will look for um, unresolved pain. It will look for resentment. It will look for anything that it can use to draw that connection. And usually it's something like this. I've just noticed. I mean, I can't help but know. Is there something wrong? Is there something going on? I kind of heard you mention that you were upset about. Can you talk about it? Can we pray about it? It wants to draw you close. If you don't have a pain, if you don't have a resentment, if you don't have something against another brother, it's more than, it's more than happy to bring you one. Well, can I tell you what they've done to me? Can I tell you what I've experienced? Can I share mine with you? Can you pray with me? Once the connection is made, listen to me very closely, then it wants you to always feel comfortable coming to them. Bring me your prayers. Bring me your hurts. Bring me what you have questions over. I'll deal with it. I'll be the one to walk with you. Can I tell you that's not a mark of a good woman or man of God? A good woman or man of God points you to Jesus, points you to the cross, sends you to the altar, says, you go take it to Jesus. They put themselves in a position to try to be your Holy Spirit, to say, you know what? You know what? Before long, now you're coming to them for approval. Now you're sharing everything with them, and then they're teaching you. Let me tell you what pastor meant by that. Let me tell you what so-and-so meant. Let me tell you what the word of God is. Oh, let me tell you about my experience and what you should be doing and how you should be doing it. That's usurping authority. Can I tell you, you don't need another Holy Spirit. You've got a great one. He's called the Spirit of the living God. Once they get you in that position, then you're ready to always check with them and go out and advance their agenda. Pretty soon, you're not loyal to God. You're not hearing from the Holy Spirit. You're not in a place under a certain person's leadership. You're under their leadership. You get more offended if anything comes against them. So when the word of God or the man of God or the, or the leader of God comes against them, you're the first one to rise to their defense. How dare you? How? But they've been working this in you for a while. See, the truth is God does things in order. I'll be here as long as he needs me. And when he's done, I'm glad to go home. I'm glad to go to my next assignment. But as long as I'm here, can I, can I get an amen? So this is where we finish. There was a man years ago who came into our church and he came in with a lying tongue and he began to tell me, uh, pastor, do you want to have a big church? I said, yeah, I'd love to have a big church. He says, well, I can bring you people. That should have been my first clue. He came talking bad about his other pastor, and I realized real quick, if he's talking bad about him, it won't be long before he's talking bad about me. And then I realized these people aren't your people. You're not a pastor. You're not a man of God, and you didn't die on a cross. Jesus did. They're Jesus's people. You are a Jezebel brokering power. It wasn't long before he started turning our church upside down and inside out. Chris, you remember? He sat with me, refused to have me take anyone with me. Isolation, fear, intimidation. He wanted one-on-one. I, would, I, I told him I would only meet with uh, my elders, and then he... he um, How do I put it? He egged me into it by saying, are you scared? And back then I was not scared of anybody. I'll go. I went. He slid a little piece of paper across the table at me and it outlined for me exactly what he was doing. He said, I am purposely trying to uh, oust you from your church. I'm gathering, I'm gathering influence. I'm meeting with people. I have so many already with me. 
Uh, so many are not with you. I meet with them daily. I am constantly telling about your shortcomings. And so he wanted me to run. Can I tell you, I don't intimidate easy. And so the best thing you can do when the spirit of Jezebel comes to you, you, you hit your knees, you confront it, and you fight with the Lord on your side. I began to pray. I began to fast. I looked him square in the eyes and I said, you will be leaving this church. There's no room for you. You're not welcomed. And this nonsense stops today. It took a little while. And he kicked and screamed and had his little day, a little moment, but eventually he left. And the spirit kept telling me that that evil spirit kept saying, if you don't succumb, if you don't allow him, if you don't back up and and find another way, then your church is going to crater. You want to know what happened after that spirit left? Our church began to grow like never before. So what I'm here to tell you, man of God, be who God's called you to be. God has openly said it in, in, in Genesis chapter 2. He created you. He put his spirit within you. And in verse 15 of chapter 2, he says he has put you in the garden to keep the garden and to work it. That means you were called to work for the cause of Christ. You were called to work for the kingdom of God. You were called to be an ambassador, one that stands for truth, one that keeps the faith and keeps the image of God alive in this world. You were called to do that. Stop waiting for your wife to lead the way. Stop waiting for the women to do the work. Stop making excuses. Stand up and be the man of God that God's called you to be. And if you're here today and saying, Pastor, I'm having a hard time getting involved because I, how can I change the church when I have it? Then take care of your home. Be the man you're called to be. Understand that Jezebel wants your children. She wants to over-sexualize them. She wants to compromise them. She wants them to feel like they, the only way they know how to live is this materialistic, possession-driven, sexual type of way. Listen, there's a better way to live, and it means that you have to consecrate your family and your home to the Lord. To the Lord. This past week, the enemy has tried to intimidate me and my family, and I'm here to tell you I don't intimidate easily. I don't intimidate easily. It's time to love more. It's time to forgive more. It's time to press in more. It's time to to receive people in the love of Jesus and to love them with all our hearts, but it's also time to stop tolerating Stop tolerating what I know is wrong. And what I know is wrong, I'm going to stand on it no matter what anybody says. And I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, and I put the spirit on notice. You won't get me to back up by gossiping about me. You won't get me to back up by talking noise about me or my family. I'm going to hold the line. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to fight for justice. And you don't get to come in and start trying to do what you want with me. You say, oh, pastor, what are you you saying? I'm saying very clearly. I know Jesus is coming is around the corner. I know it's around the corner. I'm excited about what God has for us. And I'm not going to just, I'm not just going to pretend church I'm going to preach my heart out when there's a spirit alive and well in the world and I sense it in the church I'm going to preach against it I don't care what it tries to do and I pray that you feel I pray you feel a sense of confidence just like when Elijah stood up others stood up with him This is where we finish. 
Over the past year, I haven't been asking you to bring it to me. I'm just a man. And I will not take the Lord's glory. I've been, I've been asking you, you pray. You encounter of the Lord. You get alone with your, the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to keep doing that. I'm going to keep doing that. But I want to make a very special invitation. If you're here today and, and you're done with this spirit and you have felt it, you have felt it in your home or you have felt it try to circle around you or maybe you have felt the fear and the exhaustion and all that, I'm going to ask you to stand up against it. And this morning, pray, no more, Lord. I consecrate my life. I consecrate my family. And I'm going to be the leader you've called me to be. In Jesus' name. Dear Lord, consecrate us here this morning, this day, that we may be wholly yours, Lord. Break us free from for any trappings that the Spirit might, might desire to hold us with. And God, let us honor you we might be your imago Deo, your image bearers here on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, Foundation. Have a great, great week.